Recorded live. Hey, buddy. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, Everything is pretty much still the same. Okay. I just want to do that top, oh, that top five quarterbacks. I didn't know if you had time there for that. Uh, that way we try to get into a little college football. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can do that. Yeah, I wanna, you know, I'm going to try to break that out to its own special podcast. Um, and then we'll, I think we'll do one like coaches on the hot seat. Um, and then uh, College coaches? Yeah, college coaches, college football coaches on the hot seat. I didn't have a chance to prepare for that. No, not much. today, not today. I'm saying just in oh. general. Saying I'm thinking oh, of okay. top five college coaches on the hot seat and then top five uh, most underrated programs or something like that. You know what I'm saying? Like teams and people probably, you know. Okay. Or like uh, maybe even call it uh, top five programs on the come or yeah, that's it. Top. Yeah, I, I, we. I want to do. Um, I'm trying to. I'm about to get my hands on a copy of the uh, Phil Still. So that's why yeah, I'm saying I need a couple weeks with that before we can do the college pre. That's all I was gonna tell you. Yeah. So. Yeah. No. No problem. All right. <laughs> 
right, let's get rolling. Hey, uh, real quick, uh, before we start, I was wondering, like, I, I think the intellect, intellectual property of what we've got going on is the with the bias part. You know, if we ever wanted to, like, branch out or, or make an Internet station or something like that, I, I think with a bias could work in any sort of market. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, I know what you mean, like with an L.A. bias, with a yeah. with Boston bias or with an MMA bias or with the yeah. WWE bias, whatever the bias is. How do we go about protecting that as intellectual property? You have to – I know one of the points of this is you have to be an established brand that – you know what I'm saying? Because anybody – like here's a perfect example. Like they just copyrighted Urban Meyer and uh, something else with Urban, uh, Ohio State did. Like, you have to be an established thing. It's almost like being verified on Twitter. Like, you have to have enough popularity to, you know what I'm saying, like, or, like, have a, a, a idea behind, like, what you're going to do. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, I know that's part of the thing behind You see where I'm going, either. right? Yeah, no, I, I see where you're going. It's a good idea. It's a good idea. Because I've seen it's like that one site they follow us, they're no coast bias. You know what I'm saying? Like, so yeah, that's uh, where you're going. Yeah. Right. I'll look into it because it's a good idea, actually. Okay. Good idea. And then are we still uh, doing anything with the Fan Up Network? No, I never got anything back from this guy. He said he wanted to go August 1st. I mean,. Yeah, he never got back to me. He never, he never, we never transferred funds or anything. I got, I got his copy and I got, you know, saying the graphics. But I mean, I'm not right. going to give it to the guy for free. You know what I'm saying? No, so. no, I saw him out there and I was going to uh, retweet something of his, but I didn't want to start retweeting him if he hadn't, uh, if you guys hadn't worked it out. Yeah, no, I mean, you can retweet it. I don't care about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I mean, uh, but on a regular basis, you know, like that sort of thing. Oh, I got you. Yeah, no. I haven't heard anything from the dude, so, you know what I'm saying? I had sent him an email. He never responded. So, I mean, um, and before that, our communication was like back and forth, back and forth. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's all I got on that. Um, All right, let me get this over. Sure. This is with an Ohio bias, a podcast for real fans with D and J. Show 46, Face the Music. I am D, Cleveland born and raised, Buckeye born and bred. And I'm Jake from Youngstown to C-Bus, bringing you the sports you care about. Yeah, my bad. I changed the name of the show. I mean, changed the theme of the show. <laughs> that's, that's all right. Um we we're we're back this uh week on the podcast. Jake's got one down in the gun on the radio show. We hope you all tuned in for that. But this week we're talking of course Ohio State, the suspensions, how it impacts the first game against Virginia Tech on Labor Day. We will go into a little bit of college football and you know, what the appetite for you for the big season to come. We're talking your Cleveland Indians. Uh no one has any answers right now. The Cleveland Browns might have some answers uh, to the solution of having a winning season, and training camp has us excited about what's going on in Berea. Uh, Golf, the Bridgestone Invitational. You've seen the great uh, picks from uh, our favorites at PGA Pathis and other folks have been retweeting. Everybody's out in the Bridgestone Invitational except Rory McIlroy. We talk MMA, Rhonda, Rhonda, Rhonda. Uh, She does Rowdy Rowdy Piper's. Uh, well, with her big win over Bethes Correa, and uh, what else can Ronda Rousey do to impress you? Uh, and more in the world of MMA. And then, yes, we will do our own personal homage to say what the great Rowdy Rowdy Piper meant to us. Um, it, it will be a uh, it will be a little emotional because the guy meant he was a big big star in the WWE. Jake wanted to start real quick with the NBA Africa game. How great was it to see Dikembe Mutombo and Akeem Olajuwon, albeit 50 years old, but I think Akeem Olajuwon, still with the dream shake, might have the best post moves left in the NBA. Uh, it was really cool. It, it was really random that I was actually uh, walking out the door 
and out of the corner of my eye, I, I saw what looked to be Dikembe Mutombo in his old Nuggets uniform, and I didn't know what was going on. I just had ESPN on in the background and uh, turned around and watched it for a few minutes and uh, got a little bit of a flash flashback. It was really cool seeing Mutombo and Dream uh, representing Africa and being able to get that reception. Uh, and you're right, uh, you know, Dikembe had a little trouble getting around and dream even to an extent, uh, getting up and down the court for sure. But once they got down there, uh, you could see the skill sets that made, uh, dream a hall of famer. and uh, may one day make the Kembe Matembo a hall of famer. Um, dream just missed on a couple, but the, the one he did make definitely brought a smile to my face and, uh, of days past for sure. Yeah, just pure, pure awesomeness. So, I mean, definitely still excited about the Cavs. Uh, they definitely uh, have uh, – they announced the official signing of Richard Jefferson, which we all uh, know. But I'm um, still waiting on Tristan Thompson and J.R. Smith. So, uh, with that, we go to the Twitter love. And this week, yes, the Twitter love is back at Browns underscore fan 32, at Bronco Girl 1807, at Jane and I Day, at OSU Girl 47, at Buckeye Fan Ohio 7, at Joe Murs. At Zubu76, at Ryan51813, at BS Buckeyes, at DebbieCat4, at Zona underscore Buckeye. We thank at Mechadon Music and Mechadon Music, Pumpkinhead, will all be at the, at the Fan Fest for the Browns before the Brown and Orange scrimmage. And stay tuned for more exciting stuff. We talk about the Browns. At Stephanie G0315, at Reppin614, at Dude underscore Ohio. Uh, two huge red fans who jumped on following with an Ohio bias, at Yahoo underscore Damien at Cadillac Cannon, and at Buckeye068, uh, showing you guys a little Twitter love. Thanks for the interaction, and uh, definitely hope you listen to this podcast and hear your great Twitter handle. This is With an Ohio Bias, a podcast for real fans with D and Jake. We will see you on the other side talking your Ohio State Buckeyes. Jake, let's get into it. Jalen Marshall, Dontre Wilson, Corey Thomas, and nobody's shrugging about this because Joey Bosa also suspended for the first game against Virginia Tech. Uh, it broke as we were doing our podcast last week, but uh, your thoughts on the suspension of the four impact players with Ohio State? Yeah, uh, Corey Smith, of course. Uh, Michael Thomas will be playing. Uh, but uh, if you want to rethink Corey Smith. Corey, you, Corey you, Smith. Corey Smith. There you go. Yeah, big kind of big losses, uh, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, you, you talk about a starting wide receiver in your top two H-backs, and, I mean, the luxury is that you're Ohio State and your third uh, H-back may be the best athlete in the country. Uh, but at the same time, he's played quarterback for most of his career here at Ohio State. So there's going to be a learning curve, and he's going to get thrown right into the fire in a tough environment where of course, talking about Braxton Miller uh, going to Blacksburg in week one. Uh, we know what Frank Beamer can do with an entire year to game plan against an offense. Uh, that defense didn't lose much and is going to be really good this year. Uh, as far as Bosa, I'm not as concerned on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Virginia Tech doesn't do a lot of things that uh, intimidate. Uh, so it's, it's going to be a matter of uh, the continuity of offense. Uh, you're, you're, you're starting a, a quarterback in J.T. Barrett who hasn't played in a long time, most likely. Uh, if it's Cardell, you still got a guy that's only played three games. Now they're the biggest games of the, of the year. But a, a guy who still hasn't had a lot of uh, experience going, going with them. So I, I, think the, I think it's a little bit more than a lot of people are making it out to be. This is probably the second or third hardest game on the entire schedule, and we're missing a lot of talent for it. Well, I think, it, it, you know, I mean, everybody, we always say the next man up. I think that's what it's going to show, the young depth that's available. Um, you're just going to see some guys like Noah Brown and Johnny Dixon featured on the offensive side along with number five, of course. And, you know, on the defensive side, you know, uh, Sam Humbert, I mean, you're going to be expecting more from, you know, Tommy Shutt, the Dolphins Washington and, of course, Taekwon Lewis. But then, you know, we still got Joshua Perry, Raekwon McMillan, uh, your guy Tyvis Powell, Eli Apple. I mean, you know, the secondary is still out there. So I, I feel confident the Buckeyes will get, you know, past it. But um, 
there's no question. You're just not happy about it. You're not happy about it. You can make, you can resolve yourself to be fine with it. Um, and the one thing about Botech, they don't have that tight end that was <laughs> causing the Buckeyes all that trouble. You know, fighting those pockets last year. Uh, he moved on. So I, I feel I feel confident that the Buckeyes will win the game, but it might not be the you know 100 or no smashing that we all were hoping for. Yeah, I agree. I don't think there's. I I don't think there's a. I don't see a way that they're going to lose this game. Uh, despite that, it's going to be a little bit more challenging. But you know, it, it's a double-edged sword. Sword with the suspensions. Urban's sending the message that this sort of stuff's not going to be tolerated. But still, you've got four of your four starters uh, basically being suspended for for a drug violation. Uh, it hasn't been officially reported as that, but from all the reports I'm hearing, uh, that's the case. So uh, you, you want your leaders and the guys that you're counting on to set the example, and it's a little disheartening to see those four uh, lose a game for something foolish. Yeah, there's two things synonymous with college. It's academics and it's drugs. I mean, let's be honest, um, and, I mean, the, the one in rumor is to be marijuana and then uh, Joey Bosa, you know, missed some classes. So, yeah, you, you do want these guys to be leaders on and off the field and definitely uh, taking care of their business. Um, and, you know, one of the things, you know, came out of Big Ten Media Day, Joshua Perry spoke very eloquently about Big Ten athletes doing, uh, you know, work in the community. We all know what he did for the young man, you know, saying that uh, with the health, with the uh, illness, you know what I'm saying, and the bond he developed with him, if it was John Hireman last year, uh, yeah, I mean, if it was Hireman last year, you know, like with little Jacob. Um, it, 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 it's, it, but it's more than that. You got to take care of your business when nobody's watching too, and that's one of those things. Uh, one of the other things that come out of Big Ten Media Day that I thought was, you know, very significant is that in 2016 that the Big Ten Conference will now have nine conference games. No, you will not be able to schedule non-FBS schools and that they must play one Power 5 opponent, something that we've been banging the drum for for a while. So uh, finally Jim Delaney is getting off his hands and actually making something happen for the Big Ten. Yeah, I think that's important uh, going forward. It, it's going to increase the schedule difficulty, which going forward is going to be big when you're only talking about four playoff spots and five conferences. So one conference is going to be left out uh, every year. So you, the, the strength in your schedule is only going to help you. Absolutely. And one other note about college football, the college football playoff committee actually had some common sense as well. Uh, they increased the stipend for the families of, of the program selected in the college football playoff to $2,500 per game. Last year, you know, it was a big controversy. Uh, they gave 1500 but they increased that by $1,000. One question that was posed, though, do you feel that all families that have athletes in bowl games should get a stipend? That was one thing put on uh, College Football Live by one of the analysts there, that they felt like it, just, it would just be only fair because the bowl game is supposed to be a reward and not a burden on, you know, these great families. Yeah, I, I was going to say they need to take it one step forward and do this for all postseason teams. Uh, I, I think that if if you're in a situation where you're traveling across country for any bowl, you know, if you're going to the Holiday Bowl and you're from uh, Rutgers, it, it, it's unfair to them just as much as it is unfair to the teams in the in the national playoffs. So. Uh, I, God knows the NCAA has plenty of money, uh, maybe a little bit less now with uh, the Ed O'Bannon case, but uh, they've still got plenty to to take care of these families and let the immediate family go see their sons play. Absolutely. And we'll be talking more college football. we got the huge college football preview coming. Uh, you know, shout out to at Cleveland Cobb. John threw out a question about Tennessee whether they were contenders and pretenders, uh, we'll be talking all that. And we got a top five with bias coming for you on the uh, returning quarterbacks that we're looking uh, forward to seeing play this year. So a lot of college football action coming from with an Ohio bias for you. As always, go Bucks. We move on, Jake, the Cleveland Indians. Uh, where do we go from here? Good guy, David Murphy traded, nothing else. Chris Antonetti still sitting on his hands. Uh, we see uh, Gomez, Price, people going left and right all over the country to other teams becoming contenders, and the Indians just seem to uh, be stuck in quicksand right now. 
Yeah, you know, same old story all year for the Indians. You get great pitching and you can't hit. You get enough hitting and then you blow a save. Uh, it's just a year of frustrations. I The one thing I really hope that doesn't happen for this team is they finish the, winning 12 of their last 15 and, and give Chapinetti a sense of security that, oh, it just was a fluke and this offense is going to be good enough and see this team was moving in the right direction. See, this, this team needs a lot more uh, than to stay stable. They need two bats at minimum right now, and they need a middle-of-the-order bat that's going to produce because right now having Kipnis and Brantley as your only real effective uh, bats in the lineup hasn't worked out too well. And uh, I think it's time to move on from Carlos Santana as well. Well, you talk about Antonetti having a sense of security. I mean, we saw the Tigers uh, fire uh, Dave Dombrowski. And, you know, but it, it, so it's one of those things. Other teams are getting rid of some of these folks. I don't understand why the Indians feel like they can't do that. Um, it, at this point, it's beyond frustration with me. Go ahead. No, to, on the Dave Dombrowski point, the Tigers have had the most wins in Major League Baseball since 2011, and they moved on from, from a guy. Now, I don't know the back dealings with this, but to, to have unblinded confidence in your front office is, you know, we're, we're seeing what happens when that, when that's the case. Absolutely. I mean, you look at, here's a perfect example. And you look at the playoff picture right now, you know, you got, you got the Royal Yankees, Astros, of course, but then you got the Blue Jays, the Angels and the Orioles. And I play up the Blue Jays because their GM, Alex Anthopoulos, Alex Anthopoulos, you know, is up there making moves left and right. He, over the last four years has built that team into a definite contender, I mean, and right now they might have the scariest lineup with Donaldson, Joey Bat, uh, you know, Gomez, and with David Price on the mound with R.A. Dickey. I mean, like, they've got the pitching, the hitting to get hot and actually contend. And the Indians, I think, were still with our pitching right now. If we would have got made a couple trades, we could have got somewhere. And you think about what we talked about, you know, on the last podcast, if we would have traded Kipnis now that he's hurt again with the shoulder and probably going to shut it down for the rest of the season. Well, I, I hear what you're saying as far as him being valuable right now, but right now, to me, he's one of the two guys in this offense that have consistently produced this year. Now, obviously, they're, you're, with him, you're always worried about the uh, injuries, but you make a great point with these teams. What what one constant thing is, is these aren't huge market teams. And the Kansas City Royals in the World Series last year is not a huge market team, and they're going out and making moves. What revenue sharing has done in this, in this league is it's allowed these teams in the middle markets to come up and make plays on big players at the trade deadline, like the David Prices and the Johnny Cuetos and the Cole Hamels in Texas. And Cleveland is at a point where even if we were in it, I don't know if we've got the money to do it because they spent all their money foolishly. And we got a cheap owner who's not willing to spend on, on roster improvements and much, would much rather make a corner, uh, corner bar in the middle of the ballpark. So it, until, until this nonsense stops, uh, we're, we're in a little bit of trouble. And, it, and it's got to stop this offseason uh, while we still got – great starting pitching, and that's the one thing that every team wants and needs is great starting pitching. And to have that is such an advantage, and you can fill in the other spot if you spend wisely. Uh, I don't think there's any more to be said about that. I think you hit all the marks right there. As always, real tribe. Uh, I, I can't say anything more about these guys. I'm going to get to the screen, so we might as well move on now, unless you got something else. <laughs> I mean, I really am beyond frustrated with those guys. Like, that's why I was about to go on a whole tangent there, so I'm glad I cut myself off. You know what I'm saying? Tired. Tired of the Indians. Uh, Tired of the Indians. Same shit every year. We move on from the Indians, who are pretty much irrelevant now to us as the start of football is upon us and we become engulfed in it. Um, You know, I'm watching training camp footage every day of different teams. I mean, I can't get enough of it. And you talk about what's going on out there in Cleveland Browns uh, training camp. Uh, besides the hamstring injuries that's hung, hamstrung all the players, some good things are happening. And one is Danny Shelton being the first player in and first player 
uh, last player to leave the field every day. Uh, and I'm not talking about signing autographs. We're talking about putting in the work in. And I guess this guy is really turning heads in Berea. Yeah, I mean, I'm super excited about a 300-plus pound man that can run sideline to sideline and uh, has that kind of motor. I, I'm not worried about him. Uh, you know, the the hamstrings you touched on, it, it really hurts a guy like Duke Johnson. Uh, he's going to be out, you know, minimum three weeks with a hamstring, you got to figure. And this is kind of a key point of training camp for a rookie uh, to try to figure everything out and to make an impact immediately in the regular season. So, uh, you know, you brought it, you talked about it many times in his uh, fragile state that he's always seems to be in. So uh, we'll see what he can do. Obviously, uh, seeing Terrell Pryor pull up with a little bit of a hamstring, I know he's questionable, uh, maybe even to the doubtful side for this Friday. His homecoming back at the shoe uh, for the orange and brown scrimmage is up in the air. So uh, another guy making a transition to receiver, just can we just get a little bit of break in health for once in our lives? Uh, but other than that, yeah, it seems to be good, and uh, you don't hear too much of anything coming out of there right now, uh, which is always good news. Well, let's break this down a little bit. Let's go through the running backs and the linebackers here. Uh, let, let's start on the defensive side of the ball. You know, we're very happy to have old Lobster Mash Carlos Dansby come back. Uh, you know, uh, Craig Robertson, Nate Orchard, uh, the rookie, we're excited to see what he brings. But I think the biggest player, and you talk about health, I mean, Christian Kirksey stays healthy. I think he can definitely be a playmaker out there. The guy who cannot stay healthy and cannot be a playmaker, who has a knee injury right now, who's nursing a knee injury, is Barkevius Mingo. And I think it's time. I know it sounds like I just want to trade everybody, but I think it's time we trade this guy and get whatever we get for him because it's never going to materialize on the field. And it's just it's frustrating to even say this guy's name. There's too many syllables. Yeah, I hear you. I don't, I don't think there's any value for him at this point right now, especially with the injury. And you might as well uh, get what you can get out of him this year because, when he's healthy, is that going to be is that going to be him overrunning the quarterback and overrunning running backs? I was going to say he, not he, maybe, maybe he doesn't finish all the time, but he is disruptive and he does get people out of position. And I think Pruder uh, definitely helped last year uh, as as far as being able to finish some of his plays. Uh, due on due to the chaos that he created, so you know, depth at linebacker is such a key. And uh, if nothing else, he's an athlete and a havoc wreaker. He may not be a finisher and a sack artist yet, but uh, Barkevius, I don't think he's an issue or a problem on this team. Um, well, let me I'm really this. excited let's though for Nate Orchard, and I think I, I just hope. The one thing I hope with Barkevius is that uh, Nate Orchard isn't held back due to a uh, a sense of a, a, a sense of commitment to Barkevius. Well, that's that, that's kind of the reason. That's what I was about to go to because my thing is, when's the last time a guy took this long to develop? Like, who? I mean, I, I can't even think of a comparison. I mean, most guys who can rush the quarterback. They, or at least have speed and athleticism, they can do that one thing well. I think we're going to see Nate Orchard, like, uh, if given time. And that's the thing. He's playing behind Mingo, who if he's hurt, then Orchard will play, uh, get plenty of time. But if not, you know, they're going to play Mingo when they could probably have a guy out there who would learn more and develop faster than Mingo has over the last two years. So I, it's, I know it's a chicken and an egg problem, but uh, that's just the I mean, I, I, I'm tired of the Mingo experiment as is. So. Yeah, and I, I, I like I said, as long as they're not overly committed to Mingo and they're looking at him as depth, like I'm talking about, uh, I, I don't see him being a problem being on the issue, being an issue on the roster. But the moment that they commit to Mingo as the future All-Pro past edge rusher uh, that they thought he was for a while, th- then it's going to be an issue because you're holding guys back. Uh, let's go over to the running backs, the other side of the ball. Um, you, you brought up Duke Johnson and hamstring injury. I mean, he had a hamstring injury at the combine. It was one of the reasons I didn't like the draft pick. Uh, you know, it is what it is. One of the things, though, that and, – and then we got Terrence West, who everybody says he looks a little pudgy. 
and uh, somehow he's still in the doghouse. We are excited for Isaiah Coel's development, but here's the real problem with that Browns offense. Without Duke Johnson being able to, like you said, getting those first-team reps and building that chemistry um, with the offensive line, he's a small guy, and one of the problems he's got with small backs, especially if they're, like, running, um, you know, off tackle or inside the tackles, they end up running up behind linemen. It takes a little bit of time to get that flow of how linemen open up those holes and things like that. And the other problem is the Browns only had 20 passes out of their backfield last year. Duke Johnson was supposed to remedy that, but now we won't even see them build that chemistry well. It takes time for a quarterback and a running back to get that dump-off pass to the fact that the, the running back can just catch it and move rather than trying to see the ball land and getting lit up. So it, it, it really, really does hurt the development of the running backs. And then the last question is the question everybody's asking, and I'll just say it flat out. No, I don't want Ray Rice on this team, but would you want to see Ray Rice uh, a la Jamal Lewis make a move from the Ravens to the Browns considering everything that's happened? No, I wouldn't. Uh, I, I think there's too much baggage for Ray Rice right now from, as far as when you weigh out what he can bring to your team. Um, he'll be highly motivated, but, uh, and you know, the Browns don't need any more distractions. They need to concentrate on trying to turn a corner and turn this team into a winning team and then a winning organization uh, and return the glory of the 80s and previous years. Um, as far as the running back situation right now, it, it, it looks a little bleak. Um, Curiously, I don't know if you know or not, uh, what what Deion Lewis's status is. We talk about that small back uh, that can come no, out. He's not on the, the pass. No, he's not on the I roster I know he's anymore. not on the roster, but is he on a roster? Is he someone oh, that I, we that, bring I don't into know. There's a couple, yeah, Deion Lewis, I mean, Pierre Thomas, uh, formerly of the Saints, um, there's a lot of guys out there. I, that, that's one thing I think, you know, maybe we'll put together a list of guys um, that I think after the first couple preseason games, we see some, you know, uh, you know, the rosters get cut down a little bit. I think that will open up some opportunities for the Browns to pick up um, some good veteran guys. So, But, yeah, Deion right Lewis will now, be a perfect example. Yeah, because right now we're looking at Isaiah Crowell and Terrence West. Uh, and, I mean, we've got uh, – is it Sean Drone on the, the roster? Yeah, Sean Drone uh, is on the roster, and they say he looks good out of training camp right now. Um, but, yeah, that's the – and then we signed Parmley from Toledo – and a guy named Flanders, where I don't know where he's from, but it just makes you laugh thinking about the Simpsons. And so, you know, I, I mean, I look at this depth of, of running back right now, and what it's really lacking is any sort of veteran presence. And I, I think a guy like a Deion Lewis, who obviously flashed in the preseason last year before getting injured, um, if, if he's healthy, would be a guy I'd be interested in bringing in. Uh, and then yeah. you, you mentioned a couple other guys. So, yeah, uh, Mark Bradshaw's think, out there, too, but he's coming off of a neck injury. Uh, but he was productive with the Colts in the small time that he got. I mean, he helped my fantasy team a couple. I think we featured him on Fantasy Go there uh, for a couple weeks. So. And the strength of this offense is the offensive line. So getting capable running backs in here and, and someone, uh, like I said, a veteran that can teach these guys the patience and what it takes in blocking and that sort of stuff, uh, it, it, I think it's going to be a key to to be utilizing that uh, that offensive line. Uh, so look for the Browns to be bringing in someone. I would think to to solidify that backfield a little bit. Uh, maybe not a guy that might not even be on the roster come opening day, but someone in training camp that can bring some depth. Uh, one, uh, a couple other things. You know, do you have confidence in the coaching staff in the front office? Because uh, clearly Jimmy Haslam does, the owner Jimmy Haslam does, who uh, the famous soundbite was going around. He promises not to blow things up, uh, you know, which uh, – and I got one commentary on Jimmy Haslam. This guy's got to stop blaming the media for everything. I mean, I, I guess he just gets his reports and watches TV and gets all angry and, like, lets that bubble up. But it's not the media, man. The Browns stink. You understand? So everybody wants them to be good, but – until you turn that corner, people are going to be critical, and you just got to live with it. You know, like you can't just throw your hands up and be disgusted every time a microphone gets pointed in your face. Yeah, we've gone from two extremes between uh, uh, Randy Lerner and, and, and Jimmy Haslam. Jimmy Haslam, you know, you wanted Randy Lerner at times to step up to the microphone and explain what the hell was going on, and now Jimmy Haslam's here, and you want him to step away from the microphone and let things happen. So. 
you, you can't win sometimes. Uh, I, I think stability in the coaching staff is so key for this organization going forward. And I hope he's serious about it, but uh, it's called the dreaded kisses of death or kiss of uh, death for some, for, for a reason. So uh, we'll, we'll see what happens and what transpires. Anytime you're making a guarantee like that, you, you can't predict what's going to happen over the course of uh, a 20 game schedule when, when you include preseason and then hopefully uh, maybe a couple more. But if there's a couple more, then this is all mute anyway. Well, it's exciting. The Orange and Brown scrimmage is upon us tomorrow here. Uh, Jake, you got some exciting news regarding the scrimmage at the Horseshoe. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we started the the live show last week, and we're already taking a break. Um, not not because we're so, lazy. So, so good, because you earned yourself a vacation. <laughs> I, I earned myself a vacation in week one. Uh, not really. We're uh, if if you haven't heard yet, I'm uh, studying at the Ohio Center for Broadcasting, uh, trying to future or get my career here going in the right direction uh, in the broadcast industry and. Uh, interning at 95.5 The Game in Columbus here and got asked to cover the Cleveland Browns scrimmage down at uh, the shoe this Friday. So I'll be down there with them, and then I'll also be covering it for, of course, with an Ohio bias. So I'll have lots of pictures, uh, audio. Hopefully I'll have a couple interviews for you and get shoot some video while I'm out there. A lot of good stuff, and then we'll talk about it next week both on the podcast and the radio show. So we'll be back next week uh, with the radio show. And uh, we'll be bringing you the podcast, as always. Uh, one last note. Uh, the NFL actually had a dose of common sense. Junior Seau's daughter will be able to speak at the Hall of Fame induction ceremony, so that's exciting news. And uh, real quick, we actually will see a preseason game. Uh, you know, the Squealers will take on the Vikings. Uh, I just think it's going to come down to this year uh, how good the Steelers' defense is going to be and then uh, what kind of jump do you expect from a sophomore now, Teddy Bridgewater, for the Vikings? Um, well, let's start with Seau. Uh, you know, I'm happy about that. It, it, the Hall of Fame is the opportunity to get to see the player. And if you can't see the player, you get to see the people behind the player. And, you know, whether she talks about head injuries or not, uh, that's up to her, and, and that's a decision she needs to make. But I'm glad that the Hall of Fame was able to uh, lift their role whatever for whatever reason and, and allow uh, the family to embrace and enjoy the moment of uh, of their father uh, and husband. So that that's great. As far as the Steelers go, yeah, I, I really do think it's they're going to score a ton of points. They've got the weapons on offense. Um, the offensive line, we'll see what happens with them. Uh, they're going to have to give Ben enough time to throw, but Definitely defensively. When you, I know Troy Balamalu hasn't been the player that he has in the rest of his career, but he was still that that leader on the defense. Uh, they're going to have to replace that, and then you know that that defense is kind of in transition. So we'll see how quickly it, it comes together. They got the right guy at the top to to get it together. So um, that that's you know I, I wouldn't be too concerned if I were a Steeler fan. Um, as far as Teddy Bridgewater goes, I think he's going to make a big jump this year. I, I just, I really like that coaching staff. I, I, I think North Turner, uh, very, very highly of North Turner. And uh, I, I think the Vikings are in a position to make a big jump possibly to the playoffs this year. Absolutely. I mean, the biggest thing to help Teddy Bridgewater isn't even, you know, his own learning curve. It's just the fact that it, that offense will be much improved when he's handing the ball off to Adrian Peterson. Um, so I think that's going to just change the dynamic and make it easier for him to, you know, go play action and things like that. And we already see uh, how accurate of a thrower he is. So, uh, yeah, I think I agree. I think Bridgewater is going uh, – he's going to really surprise some folks that have a breakout here this, this NFL season. So excited for football, ladies and gentlemen. Tons of stuff coming at you. Check out our training camp photo gallery. Got some videos coming up there, too. Uh, We'll have the orange and brown scrimmage stuff coming at you, courtesy of Jake, live at the scrimmage. Um, and as always, go Browns. We're coming back on With an Ohio Bias. We're coming back on With an Ohio Bias podcast, talking golf and MMA, two things that nobody ever thought to come by. We will see you on the other side.
All right, Jake. The grass has been cut. The flags have been put out. The Bridgestone Invitational World Golf Championship is upon us. Who's your favorite to win, and how are you feeling about another one of the Ohio Classic Golf events? Yeah, this is such a classic tournament. Uh, it's part of the World Golf Championship series. Uh, obviously missing two pretty marquee name players in Rory McIlroy because of the injury and then Tiger Woods because he's not good enough to play in it. Um, he's outside. Well, he's good enough to, uh, let's be honest, though. He's good enough to play this course because he's won many times. And how they don't have an exemption for this guy to be out there is ridiculous. But uh, well, I digress. Well, the the format is you you got to win a tournament, you know, and if you, you haven't won a tournament and you're not inside the top 50, you don't get to play in these things. And until he gets his game up to where uh, where where it should be and where his talent is, uh, he's not going to play in any of these World Golf Championships, whether it's the match play uh, or if it's the, the Bridgestone. So uh, it, it definitely loses a little of its luster. As you said, he's had great success there, probably the most success of any course he's played in uh, his career. So uh, to be missing Tiger in this kind of stinks is a little bit of a bummer. But there's lots of, I mean, every other great player is there for the most part. Um, Jordan Spieth is definitely there. He hasn't had a lot of success at Bridgestone. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if he can kind of, I guess, turn it around and, and uh, get into the contention in Akron. Uh, well, it's going to be exciting. Guy, he's, paired up, he's paired up to start with Zach, Jackson, uh, Zach Johnson. So that, that's pretty intriguing. Absolutely. There's, there's uh, Like I said, there's a lot of intrigue going into this. Like He has not played well there. So, uh, And every top player is going to be there, from Dustin Johnson to Jason Day. Uh, Phil Mickelson, of course, will be there. So, uh, lot, lots of really good players. One guy that I'm looking at a little under the radar and played excellent this time of the year and to the end of the season is Billy Horschel. Uh, this is the time of the year he starts moving in the right direction. He's been very competitive in, in both of the, the majors this year. And uh, I, I expect we're going to start seeing him uh, at the top of leaderboards here very shortly, if not this week. And I'll, I'll take an underdog in Billy Hoda to win this thing this week. Well, you know, I'm going with the, the Japanese youth superstar, Hideki Matsuyama. I think he's due. Uh, I also like Dustin Johnson. I think Dustin Johnson's due as well. I mean, it's got at some point it's got to ha- happen for him. Uh, and then, you know, a couple of guys that were right there at the end there, uh, David Lingworth, you know, uh, Virginia's own. I, I, think, I think there's going to be, you know, I, I, the youth movement is in full effect for the PGA right now. I think that part's exciting. The, the pairings, like we said, are a little bit exciting. So the Bridgestone, definitely, and we've already seen, everybody's already enjoyed it, just the practice rounds and things like that, folks being there. So it's always a great event in Ohio and uh, definitely going to be tuned in to watch it all weekend. A couple other guys to keep your eye on that have had some success there is uh, Sergio Garcia has been all around the leader, top five leaderboards this year. Uh, he could make was, a good was run. great the first great the first couple of days at the British Open until he collapsed once again as he's known to do. So. Yeah, well, he was even there on Sunday for a while. So I mean, he was one off the lead after about eight, nine holes for him. So on Sunday, so he he's been right there, and we'll see. He's had good success there, and then also the, another youngster, Patrick Reed, uh, has had good success at Bridgestone. Keep an eye on him. He makes a lot of cuts. Uh, if he could get the putter going a little bit, he'll be in contention as well. Uh, a little Rory McIlroy news. He uh, did play a practice round at Whistling Straits, the home of the PGA. Now, he's not going to play at Whistling Straits, but this is a huge, huge development and something very encouraging. Uh, you know, th- this injury is a, a six-month injury. So uh, for him to even be out there uh, messing around and, and trying to see what he's got is a huge sign. I still don't understand by what I said. I don't think he's going to play till next year. But uh, we'll see. Athletes have a way of doing freakish things when it comes to coming off of injury. So uh, we'll have to keep an eye on it. That report was false. Was it? Yeah, he was in. It was was that he scheduled to play a practice round, but that was even false. Yeah, that guy ain't doing shit. Okay, we can just cut that part out then. 
Yeah, don't worry about that. But yeah, I can't remember where I heard that. It was no, it was a Reuters it was a Reuters report first, like the Reuters news was service it? report. Okay. Yeah, then came the Reuters say that was false. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Thanks for catching that. No, I was I was following it. You know what I'm saying? I was, I was waiting to see because I was surprised when I heard it. And I looked it up. I was too. <laughs> yeah, it's surprising that they, I mean the, the, we got the false reports coming out about Roy McElroy. Um, like you said, just the, you you broke it down pretty good. It's that 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 weight transference issue, you know, through your body. We know your power comes from your hips and your legs, you know, swinging the golf club if you're doing it right, not like Charles Barkley. So, I mean, it's going to take a lot for him to come back. Um, and, you know, if we see him this year, it will be a miraculous, miraculous return. But uh, who knows what – I mean, he's one of the best golfers in the world. So, I mean, whenever he gets back, he'll probably be able to not play to his standard but be better still than all of us who are out there hacking on the courses. And, and that's the one thing you just want is you want him to get back to the the level that he was playing at and do it almost instantaneously when he when he turns up at a golf tournament. Well, we'll definitely tune in and uh, definitely follow you know with an Ohio bias favorites the number one writer in golf at PGA Pathis for great coverage. He's out there, um, and I mean you won't get any access better than being there uh, following. Uh, Pete on Twitter, so at PGA Pappas, and uh, enjoy the fairways and greens. Jake, it's almost like waiting for the fight to happen. It took that long on the podcast as it took that Saturday night for Ronda Rousey to shine once again bright at UFC 190. Um, what can you say? Ronda Rousey beat Stasis Correa in 34 seconds and once again p- proves she's one of the baddest women on the planet. Yeah, uh, there's not much you can say at this point. She's pretty much has her way with whoever she steps into the ring with. It's going to be really interesting here if Cyborg can stay off the dope and get down, uh, and and if that fight materializes, what that'll look like. Um, Other than that, I I don't see any competition for Ronda uh, coming up. So as long as she keeps knocking people out and, uh, she's, she's the biggest thing going right now. So it doesn't seem like it's an issue with these late starts and these short fights. Uh, people are lining up for it and you, you got mainstream athletes, you know, like LeBron James and, uh, Kobe Bryant talking about her and she's, she's the hottest thing going. She's just a lot like Mike Tyson was in, in the late eighties and early nineties before he went to jail, knocking guys out and how he took the country. So, uh, it, much props to her. Well, one thing about this fight, you know, she usually is very good at grappling. She released a couple of times on some clinches. And I mean, she, like I said, the knockout, I think really helped elevate her. And that, that's what, you know, it, it's one of these things that felt, it wasn't like Conor McGregor's fight, but, it was kind of like that USC event. This USC event, actually, it was a snooze fest, to be honest. I mean, it, you're waiting you're waiting for Ronda to fight. You're waiting for Ronda to fight. None of the guys on that card you will ever see fight again on a, uh, as a as – a, uh, you'll never see them fight um, the headline of card. I mean, I love Shogun Rua for his career. I love the Nogueira brothers for their careers. But, my goodness, that, that, that card was a snooze fest. The best fight on the card was the Vieira Lopez fight, the two guys that were runner-up for Tough Brazil, who beat the hell out of each other for three rounds and I think almost set a UFC record for the most rear-naked chokes and reversals in a match. But, um, you know, what Ronda did by outstriking Torreya, which nobody thought was possible, is once again showing her greatness. Uh, one of the things that I think that makes Ronda great is the way that she's able to control her emotions. I mean, you look at that scowl that she has coming down to the ring, and then she wins, and then you see it all just wipe away. And it's, it's like controlled intensity unleashed, and then she's smiling again, and she's fine. I, you watch Beta Correa, Beta Correa come down to the ring. I mean, she literally went through every range of emotion just before she stepped to the cage. At one moment, she was smiling. At one minute, it looked like she was going to cry. At one minute, she looked like the angriest woman on the world. So, like, I, I think that's what's separating her is the mental preparation. Um, you know, on our little UFC 190 podcast, you heard her talking to – the great Roddy Roddy Piper, one of the things she was saying, she doesn't even enjoy the walk to the ring. She said she knows that's for the fans or whatnot, but she's like she just wants to get in there and start fighting. 
And so that's one of the things. I think she mentally prepares herself so much better, and I think that's why you see other athletes starting to recognize her greatness. And uh, Dana White, I don't know how long he can protect her. The Chris Justino fight has to happen. And then there's one other person out there. You can see her in the Deadpool trailer. It's Gina Carano, who I would like to see fight Ronda Rousey. But after that, she can retire and uh, walk off into the sunset, do the movie about herself sequel, you know, she 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 can do everything she wants to do, and I think she'll go down as one of the greatest athletes that we've had in our, of our time, no matter what the sport. You make a great point about how she can control her emotions. You know, she she can be so intimidating, but at the same time, not not look like she's trying to be intimidating. I think the the greatest part of that whole setup for that week was the the, the weigh in when when she stormed at. Korea and and stood, stared her down and just completely unflinched while uh, Korea was caught off guard and, and yelling back and looked uncomfortable. Rhonda just was stoic and just very serious. And there's just something about her that she she's able to exude uh, and express without words and, and just body language and emotion. And, and it's, it's something that's very unique that you don't see too often. Hey, when she talks, I mean, here's here's a comparison for you. And I, I mean, it, it's the way that she talks. Sometimes you can you can hear it in her voice the uh, the, the, the 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 fury that could be unleashed. And it was almost kind of like Bruce Lee used to talk about martial arts. When you hear her talk about martial arts, or she describes a move or something like that, you can hear how much she loves doing it. And how, like, you know what I'm saying, like, it's, it's that scary fury that she actually enjoys doing it, but doing it correctly, and she would never use it against anybody that it wasn't necessary for. And that's what's really scary. And you made the point that if she can toy with an opponent or, like, she did this one, she knocked her out. She wasn't going to the ground with her, which is her, you know, go-to with the arm bar. I mean, that's when you, you're really dominating your sport. And, I mean, uh, yeah, she's got the world on the string right the, the ability to display confidence without displaying cockiness is a trick to do, and she nails it every time. And she had the Brazilian fans loving her. They were booing her somewhat. Then everybody was on board. So it was almost like Rocky where, you know, he fought in Russia. Everybody was hating him, and then at the end of the fight, they're loving him. So uh, it, was, it, was, it was great. It was a great spectacle. Even though it felt like you were playing a game of Survivor, waiting for the fight to start, once it did start, for that 90 seconds, it was one of the greatest things going in sport that night. So, uh, But you talk about one of the things going in sport. UFC President Dana White uh, says wrestling's fake um, and has caught the ire of one Seth Rollins and many other wrestlers, uh, which, you know, we know what sports entertainment means. We know what wrestling is. It is real. Um, it's a scripted situation. But there's nothing fake about jumping through tables and uh, off of ladders 30 foot in the air. I mean, like, I, if, it's just another one of these statements. Uh, I think Dana White, he's, he's he's a gift and a curse to the media and his own sport uh, by promoting it, but sometimes this guy really sticks his foot in his mouth. And one of the funniest things is if we talk about Ronda Rousey, at one point Dana White said she would never fight in the UFC, and you just see how that. So uh, sometimes Dana White can be the biggest flip-flopper uh, out there, maybe even bigger than uh, Mitt Romney or John Kerry. Wrestling is not realist. The most tired argument in the entire world. It's so lazy. You know, obviously, if you're going to take it literally, is it a sporting event? No. Is it an athletic event? Absolutely. Are these some of the best athletes in the world? Absolutely. Do they protect each other? And of course, they protect each other. If they did these moves and tried to do them full out, people would be dead. But there is nothing fake against. The, uh, about getting slapped across the chest by a seven-foot giant. There's nothing fake about being powerbombed through a table. Uh, it, you know, it's it, it, it's such an easy thing to say that wrestling isn't real uh, without looking at the complexities of, of that statement. So, obviously, wrestling is real. There's real things that happen. John Cena's nose ends up halfway across his face. Uh, things happen. Mick Foley ends up with a tooth in his nose. So, I mean, to say that wrestling is real is is kind of asinine. And if anything, Dana should be embracing the WWE because it's an opportunity to cross-promote. Uh, we saw the buzz that it created at WrestleMania when Ronda Rousey showed up with The Rock. 
so it, it, it's to me it's it's very off putting by Dana. And I mean, we go into you know talking about the great Rowdy Roddy Piper uh, cartoons. Uh, if it isn't real, if you ever seen Rowdy Roddy Piper walk, wrestling is real. I mean, the surgeries he had because of wrestling. I mean, this guy put it all out there. Uh, and I think you know the one thing that I could say beyond the words legend and things like that. I think Roddy Roddy Piper was an innovator in sports. I mean, just the way he cut promos, the fact that Piper's pit literally paved the way for how we see sports covered today and announcing and things like that. Where do you think they got the idea to set up a studio at an arena? It's because Piper's pit and what Roddy Piper used to do. Okay, so when you see the Sports Center crew live in Staples Center or live in the queue for the NBA Finals, that's, I mean, that literally comes from wrestling. So, I mean, uh, I, I can't say enough. Roddy Roddy Piper, one of my favorites of all time. It, it was funny after the whole Hulk Hogan thing, which we talked about last week's podcast, um, It was he came out and he talked about the homophobic slurs that were yelled at him for wearing a kilt and how he never, you know, I mean, he's like, it used to piss me off sometimes, but I never would get into it with fans and try to pack back because it was just ignorance. And you just have to let ignorance, you know, uh, either be educated or you don't you don't try to fight that at that moment. So uh, it, it's uh, I can't say enough about Rowdy Roddy Piper. I literally spent like most of after that after I got to that, I saw the news. I spent most of that night watching old Piper's pits and Rowdy Roddy Piper matches. And I mean the still stuff holds to this day. And not even talking about you know the classic lines and the movie career. I mean uh, it, it, it's with great sadness. Uh, when I saw that news, I mean, between him, Dusty Rose, it's been a very, very hard year for us. Fans. Yeah, uh, the great Dusty Rhodes, too. Man, you know, my childhood feels like it's being stolen away slowly uh, with these wrestlers. Uh, you know, Dusty Rhodes and Ronnie Piper, they are, on, they're Washington and Jefferson on the Mount Rushmore of cutting promos. They, they are two of the best all-time with the microphone. Roddy Piper, all-time great heel. He invented heel. Uh, he he was such an antagonist for so long, first with Hogan, and then uh, became such a great, uh, that intercontinental uh, title uh, level of the WWE and his matches with the adorable Adrian Adonis were, and Jimmy Hart were, were just great. Um, he, he was a game changer. You know, he was Steve, Steve Austin before Stone Cold Steve Austin, uh, the heel that you'd like, you know, and, uh, it'll, he'll be truly missed. And obviously we know how well respected he is, uh, in the community of wrestling. Um, can't say enough like you, when I heard the news, my jaw dropped and, uh, just you know, felt sad for the rest of the day, and did the same thing you did was watching him crack snook over the head with a coconut, and uh, you know, mash a, a whiteboard over Captain Lou Albano's head, and uh, his uh, famous WrestleMania match with uh, Adrian Adonis. It was, it was, you know, you, you lose someone like that, but at the same time, it allows you to. Uh, look back on their career and really remember uh, what made you smile about them. So uh, rest in peace, Roddy. I think one last thing, um, I'm going to put this in before that. I'm going to let you in that. But one one other thing I think about with Roddy Piper is the fact that we now see um, I had a break. Ah, shit, I can't see. I lost it. I lost it. I had something good. I don't know. It's fine. You know, one thing I will say about Roddy, you know, everybody brings up his, his work on the microphone. And in ring, he wasn't the greatest technician, but he had a cool set of moves. You know, between the the little thumb to the eye and uh, and raking the back and really selling the, the other the other opponent. 
he, he did a lot of the stuff that Ric Flair did as far as dramatically and, and being able to, to, to do that, uh, getting knocked out and, and turn around and stand out and fall flat on your face and, and kind of sold the moves almost in a funny way. Uh, it, it was a different time, but uh, I, I think his in-ring is a little underappreciated uh, when we talk about uh, the, the legends of wrestling. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, Rowdy Piper, definitely. We will. Uh, we miss your brother. Uh, and at least Dusty Rhodes, as you said, the great. At least Dusty Rhodes has somebody to uh, talk wrestling with up there in the sky. So, the Hot Rod and the American Dream together. Wow, what a what a a great thought to to think about as we go through the through the day here. All right, I got I got to run, man. So that's why we got to cut this short. <laughs> All right, man. Hey, uh, one last thing I wanted to ask you. Um, uh, Stiller asked me to try to start lining up some guests. He wants, like, a couple of guys that he can go to as correspondents for, like, the ACC and the SEC and, uh, like, fantasy football. Would you be okay with me reaching out to people through our Twitter and direct messages? Okay. I I, I just... Uh, I just didn't want to start doing it without uh, asking anyway. Yeah, no, that's fine. Cool. All right, All right man. man. Have a good day.